Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Food Bites podcast with Sarah Patterson. And Kevin Phillip, Aloysius Eugene Hillier. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to add another name in there. I actually came across a Eugene the other day. There's not many of them. No, because my dad's name was Philip Eugene and that's why you (laughs) taken the you-know-what out of me about that. But I actually came across a Eugene and it was one of those things where you went, G'day, I'm Kevin, I'm Eugene. (laughs) What? Is he taking the – is he has he been listening to the podcast? There you is go. He, no, there you go. I love it. Hey, Kevin, you know how we talked about um, there is no nicer man in the world than Peter Hitchener? Yes. And you can't help but love him. Yes. Well, the guest on the show today, I feel exactly the same way about him, Philip Brady. I think – you cannot, you cannot love anyone more than you could love Philip Brady. You did a rather large feature piece on him for Radio Today, yes. the website that you write for, and uh, and you and he got on famously well, <laughs> and it was it was a fabulous interview, and it was a really lovely slice of uh, of nostalgia to do with the Australian uh, television and radio industry. And he's had such an incredible oh. run. I think sixty four years, wow. continuous media career across. Television and radio, the glory days of Channel 9 at oh. Bendigo Street, Richmond, working alongside the likes of Graham Kennedy, Bert Newton, Hal Don Todd. Lane, yeah, all of them. All of them. He's got some amazing stories to tell. And he's going to share some of them with us on this podcast. Uh, so uh, strap yourself in because he's got some great I stories to tell. I love Philip Brady. He is a, he is a ripper. Uh, now he's also <laughs> bobbing up everywhere at the moment with us. <laughs> <laughs> he's Philip everywhere with us. Uh, but we love it. Uh, and also now our food poll. Brandy snaps. We're going retro. Do you remember the old brandy snaps, Kevin? No, I reckon I've had them, but I don't reckon I've had them for – I reckon it would be 30 mm, years. Golden syrupy fingers filled with brandy oh. cream. <laughs> Hello. Nice and chewy. Uh, Philip's just gone to number two on the popularity <laughs> uh, playlist here. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, your thoughts on brandy snaps and the memories that that triggered. Yes. But first of all, the memories that this triggered. Our guest this week is Philip Brady. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Lovely to talk to you again, Philip. Yeah, likewise, Sarah. Great to be in contact with you. <laughs> this is the Food Bites podcast, so we're, we're going to talk a bit of food and a bit of a uh, bit of sort of just what, life. What action happens in your kitchen and life in general? <laughs> oh, I, I think you'll find mine is very dull. I have uh, meals delivered to me. I'm a bit lazy in the kitchen, and Katrina's kitchen of Murrumbina have been delivering fresh meals to my doorstep, as I say every day, for the last thirty-five years. Uh, I'm the sort of guy who eats to live. I don't live to eat. <laughs> it sounds like it's um, it's terrific in terms of uh, convenience, Philip, and I guess having the food delivered to your door, there's not um, the issue of waste either. No, well, you're quite right, Sarah, and, uh, you know, they're, they're frozen meals. I'll, I'll go through the menu with you in a moment. It's, uh, you know, it, it's like an upmarket meals on wheels, really. It's sort of that. Uh, but connoisseurs, you've got a choice of bacon, pepper sauce, or stir fry beef and uh, stir fry vegetables. There's meatloaf, there's uh, baked pork chops, chicken and asparagus, uh, brains and bacon. 
Is there dog food though, Phil? Phil, is there dog food? Ah, can you hear Aura in the background? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he always interrupts us, never does it. He, yes, he does. He always wants to get in on the act. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's like his owner. He's a bit of a ham, you know? <laughs> hey, Philip, so it, it sounds like you um, you enjoy the, the convenience and you said that um, – you um you don't have a particular interest in being in the kitchen, but would you consider yourself a, a foodie? Are there particular any particular meal that you absolutely love? Yeah, well, I'll give you an example of a disaster in the kitchen. <laughs> when my parents were alive and I was living at home with them, I was doing the cooking uh, in the evening, and uh, I remember my mother saying she'd like some some corn beef and the uh, white sauce, and uh, it wasn't really a great success because. Instead of boiling up the corned beef, I put it on the fry pan. Oh, <laughs> oh goodness Oh, me. dear. Did, uh, did the house Kevin, survive? <laughs> yeah, Kevin, it tasted a bit tough, let me tell you that. <laughs> there, was, there was smoke pouring out from under the lid as well. <laughs> so you didn't even get around to the white sauce, obviously. No, I'm sure it took years off my parents' life, my cuisine in the evening. So yeah, that's... That's, so you're that's dis- why I decided to go with Katrina's all those years ago. Your uh, was that because you weren't very good in the kitchen, or because you just didn't have time? Because I mean, we know you've uh, your your media career has been such that uh, you've been such a busy man. So was it born out of that as much as your ineptness in the kitchen? Oh no, it's just uh, to be honest with you, food isn't very important to me. When I go overseas, you know, to Paris or Rome or wherever, maybe, and people go, "Oh, did you dine here? Did you go there?" Uh, did you try this restaurant? Uh, you know, I'd be just as happy to have a Big Mac or a quarter pounder. I, I, when I travel, I'm not really looking for for fine cuisine. What about coffee, Philip? Are you a coffee man? Yeah, good question, Sarah. I only drink coffee at work. I, I'm a tea man at home, but uh, when I'm at AW, I, I perhaps have one coffee in the evening, but. Uh, coffee doesn't really appeal to me so much. I, I love my tea bags, you know. Absolutely. What about a sweet tooth? Are you a, a sweet <laughs> tooth or a savoury tooth? Oh no, very yeah, Kevin. Yeah, very, very sweet tooth. <laughs> I, uh, I love lemon meringue pie. Oh, yeah. uh, I love chocolate mousse, tiramisu. Oh yes, please bring on the dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Philip, you're um, celebrating, what, more than six decades of continuously working in the media, wonderful, um, incredible career across television and uh, radio. You look back at those days and um, do you just sometimes think, Philip, wow, that's, uh, it's incredible that that happened to me? Yeah, well, unfortunately, we've lost so many of my contemporaries, Sarah. I don't know if I mentioned to you, perhaps I did to Kevin, that... <clears throat> I've got a 1959 Christmas card, the Channel 9 Christmas card. There's a group of 40 of us on that uh, photo, and uh, only three of us survived today, which is a bit scary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that is. A you bit- know, we, we've, we've lost all our buddies like uh, Graham and Bert and Ernie Sigley and uh, Jimmy Hannon and, and Don Lane and so many, so many more. I loved when I spoke to you recently, uh, Philip, about your recollection of the days working with uh, with Graham and uh, and how that came to be. How you went from the uh, the voiceover booth to in front of the camera doing commercials, and how Graham really took a shine to you, didn't he? Yeah, well, I, 
we didn't really get along. We had nothing in common. And uh, I, I think because I've been to a Catholic school, he took advantage of that. And as I think I told you when we chatted, Siri, he was always hoping that I'd choke on my St. Christopher medal <laughs> or trip over on my rosary beads. So it really, uh, the the advantage for Graham was that I was straight out of school. I was a bit naive, and he sort of took advantage of that and got a million laughs at my expense, which I don't resent because in doing that, he sort of made me a household name. We did become very good friends much later. In 1964, I traveled overseas for a year and went to see all the Broadway shows and maybe came back a bit more sophisticated because we suddenly clicked. We found we had a lot in common. We we love these Broadway shows and we were reading the same sort of books. And uh, our relationship really changed for the better. And, and I think for the first time when I came back after a year away in 1965, Graham perhaps respected me for the first time, and a really nice working relationship occurred. It was at a time when Bert Newton wasn't well, and so I started uh, being the sidekick to Graham and being his his second banana, and uh, we had three or four years there where I, I worked at the desk with him as his side man, and uh, we really clicked. Philip, is it true that you invited him round to your house and you, you cooked a, what turned out to be a rather disastrous dinner party? Uh, yeah, I, I started off by by dropping a bottle of wine in the kitchen floor and here's Graham down on all fours mopping up the wine for me and picking up the glass shards. That wasn't a very good start. But the funny thing, Kevin, is I thought, oh, what if the conversation dries up? So before Graham's arrival, I wrote down a whole list of topics that I could bring up at the dinner table if, if things got a bit quiet. And I remember I kept running out to the kitchen to check my list. <laughs> What's next on the list? What should interest Graham? What will we talk about next? <laughs> uh, that sounds enough. like it was very um, a, a very nervous evening for you. Oh, well, yeah, I wasn't used to having people to dinner, especially people like Graham Kennedy, who in return would take me to a very lovely restaurant like a Maxim's in Turak where he'd take me to Fanny's or Glow Glows in the city or, or Two Faces. He was very good at reciprocating the hospitality. And, and on occasions he cooked for me down at uh, Oliver's Hill when he was living down Frankston Way when he was living in Hawthorne. He, he was a... Like Sammy Davis Jr., he loved his food, and he was a really, really good cook. Really? What what sort of things would Graham cook for you? Oh, well, back in those days, things like chicken Kiev and uh, uh, fricassee of, mm. of chicken and, uh, and, and simpler meals back then in the 60s where we'd enjoy a mixed grill, Sarah, you know, like chops and, and sausages yes. even, you know, uh, minced steak on toast. Our, our tastes weren't quite as sophisticated back then as they are now. Yes, I, I think I enjoyed um, those days more. I mean, speaking of speaking of the early days, as a child, Philip, what sort of things do you remember being uh, being served <coughs> up at home? Well, very simple dishes. They were like tripe, uh, <laughs> oh, no. uh, like uh, rabbit stew, for oh. example. Uh, that would be quite uh, common. Uh, and uh, even... Uh, uh, lamb's fry uh, oh. and bacon. Um, 
brains on toast. <laughs> uh, you uh, should say Kevin's face, Philip. <laughs> dishes that have long since disappeared, Sarah. And thank goodness for that, Philip. I mean, brains was just awful. Well, and tripe, tripe is one of the worst things I reckon God ever uh, – uh, oh, very- it's an abomination. Yeah, Kevin. It's, oh. it's a bit rubbery, isn't it? It's a bit oh. chewy, isn't it? <laughs> and I can remember my parents making me sit at the table until mm. I finished it, and it was just awful, tripe. Oh, awful stuff. Yeah, well, well, you know, times have changed. But, again, I have very simple tastes, and I used to love going to restaurants in Melbourne like Russell Collins and Elizabeth Collins, uh, where those dishes were actually on the menu back then, and oh, uh, you could enjoy them. Uh, so many wonderful spots in Melbourne have disappeared. Gibby's Coffee Lounges, do you remember those? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there were, I mean, the one, and one of the famous things about, uh, I guess, the old Bendigo Street building for the Channel Line people, the canteen oh. in the Bendigo Street building was was uh, a real mecca of uh, of just. People getting together and sitting down over a, over a very bad coffee and a, a toasted sandwich. Uh, yeah, that opened at seven in the morning, stayed open until nine at night, and we'd congregate there during the day. As you know, uh, it was really uh, an occasion for sort of socialising as well as having uh, uh, you know uh, a, a bite to eat before the show. Uh, Mike McCall Jones, the comedy writer, used to give Lee McWalter a really bad time, Lee ran the canteen there, and for years, Mike McCall-Jones wrote very nasty comments about the canteen, which <laughs> Graham used at night on IMT. And I think several times, Lee McCall threatened to sue both Mike and uh, and Graham Kennedy oh, right. for the, the terrible... I think Mike used to call the canteen Tomain Corner. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Would it be fair to say from that description, Philip, that um, that food itself and and the act of, of dining is, is secondary to the uh, to the overall social experience? Yeah. Well, I I live very close to uh, a wonderful uh, pizza restaurant called Boy Pizza in Kew, and I'm, I'm there quite a lot. Uh, and next to it is a bakery where I enjoy, you know. Very simple dishes like a focaccia for lunch or a quiche, uh, and, and so I dine out quite a lot, Sarah, and and I like to catch up with my friends. I don't throw dinner parties anymore, so I'm often entertaining people at either the pizza joint or the the bakery next door, and uh, I, I I don't really enjoy breakfast very much. Sometimes it might be two or three in the afternoon before I think. Gee, I'm getting hungry now, and I might uh, have a banana or something like that. Um, and my weight never varies. I've I've been around about seventy five kilograms for as long as I can remember. And folks, I could eat cream cakes all day, or oh. or indulge in donuts or whatever, and never put on any weight. Oh, you're one of oh, the genetically on genetically blessed, the one that the people are so envious of. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I obviously burn off the energy because. Uh, uh, I, I could eat anything at all, lamingtons or pavlova or peach melba, uh, and uh, my weight won't vary. Mm. Uh, Philip, may I ask how you're um, you're keeping these days and, and what life is like? You're still um, obviously very involved with uh, 3AW. What, what is life like today for Philip Brady? Oh, uh, great, Sarah. Well, the only impediment to my health is the fact that nine years ago I was in Hong Kong 
during a typhoon and had a nasty fall in the hotel there. And as a result, broke my hip. Oh. And while I was in Hong Kong, I spent 11 days in a the hospital there with a hip replacement. And uh, so nine years later, that can still slow me down a bit from time to time, depending on the weather. But apart from a few aches and pains in that area, I'm very blessed with my health. And, uh, you know, my health is, thank God, 100%. And obviously still loving being on the radio. Yes, uh, and it's only two hours a week now. I think when I turned 80, uh, Kevin, I think they thought, oh, he's he's over the hill now. (laughs) But uh, they've retained me for Remember When on Sunday night, and I really enjoy that. And... Of course, we worked together on the Late Show, if you if you recall. Yes, <laughs> the D with the DJ. Yeah, I the, think you were mainly doing radio with them, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, we we did a breakfast show at Triple M for a couple of years. Yeah, I'm well aware of that. That was great fun. And of course, my involvement with the DJ was at uh, Channel Two, Rip and Lee, doing uh, the Mudrakers sketches and <laughs> yeah. and mucking around with them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They were great days, weren't they? Yeah, no, they were very successful and very very good fun days. Do you keep in touch with the boys? Uh, occasionally I'll, I'll run across one of them or we'll have a chat on the phone. Yeah. The, the... Oh, you were a very uh, integral part of uh, of that era, which was, I think, back in the early 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. The, the early part of the 90s. Hey, Phil, I've got to ask you, I mean, you've met all sorts of uh, people and you've interviewed all sorts of people over the years. I mean, I've heard you talk about, uh, you know, spending time with Sophia Loren and people like that. Who would uh, who would you like to sort of catch up with these days and sit down and maybe get them to the pizza joint and sit down and have a slice of pizza with? Who who would make it to your table of choice? Uh, uh, lovely question, Kevin. If he was still alive, I'd love to spend a day with Bob Hope. Oh. oh, wow. We became very good friends. He was out here with his wife, Dolores, uh, appearing at Hamer Hall, but was also on the Don Lane Show. And we we became best buddies, so much so that I'd always phone him on his birthday and on Christmas Day. And, and he said to me once on December 25, he said, there are two phone calls I look forward to, on Christmas Day, he said, one is from you and the other is from the President. <laughs> Gee whiz, that's fairly exalted company, Mr Brady. <laughs> I, I agree. Sadly, towards the end, he became profoundly deaf, you know, as he approached his 100th birthday and uh, and our conversations diminished towards the end. But he was a very warm and generous and, and wonderful human being. Did you ever get starstruck by any of those big names that you talked to, Phil? Uh, I don't believe I I did, Kevin. I uh, I met a lot of them very early on in their career. When when I spent a day with Clint Eastwood, and that was back in 1964, he was at Republic Studios doing Rawhide in those days. He was playing the part of Rowdy Yates. And so he wasn't a big star back then. He was just one of the cast. Um I, I found Bing Crosby a little bit intimidating. Uh, he didn't convey the warmth that you saw on the screen and on on television. He was a, a bit aloof and uh, rather rather distant. I think I got off to a bad start with Bing Crosby. I, I had a tape recorder in my hand, Sarah, and I said, I want you to start off by singing a song called Learn to Croon. He said, oh, no, Mr. Brady. He said, we're here to, to do an interview. I'm not here to entertain you. 
And I, I, I was only 24 years of age, and I was cheeky enough to say, well, Mr. Crosby, no song, no interview. <laughs> Imagine me saying that to Ben Crosby. <laughs> and so uh, uh, I was a bit naive, a bit gullible, and, uh, and that was very crass of me. But we compromised. Ben said, okay, I'll give you a couple of bars of the song you want. And he deliberately sang this song called Learn to Croon, but deliberately sang it off key. Oh. And so I've got this tape of Ben Crosby singing flat just to appease me. <laughs> That's a wonderful These story. days, 25 bodyguards would jump out from behind him and, and seize your tape recorder and, you know, and start beating you up, I reckon, if, if you try. Oh, I reckon. Yeah, I'll never forget. He kept me waiting a couple of hours. This was at Desilu Studios where he was doing his own TV series uh, and he was called Bing Collins on this domestic comedy series. And he arrived on, on a bike, you know, which was quite amazing. And I think he'd been playing golf with uh, with Bob Hope. So we didn't get off to a very good start. That, that and uh, and I think I told you about uh, my insulting Sophia Loren. They were two interviews that really didn't work so well. Yeah. <laughs> but, gee whiz, you've talked to some of the uh, some of the greatest names of, uh, of showbiz history, which is uh, quite yeah, you know, amazing. Just, for those who missed it, I was with mm. Sophia Loren at the Savoy Hotel in London. I think it was about 1965. She just made a movie called Operation Crossbow with George Peppard, and they said to me at very short notice, would you like to interview her? Well, of course, I hadn't seen the movie because it hadn't been released, and being a bit, uh, uh, well, you know, had a bit of a crush on Sophia Loren, who wouldn't? <laughs> and uh, so I turned my tape recorder on, and my first question to Sophia Loren was, Miss Loren, are those pearls real? <laughs> And uh, she didn't, Sarah, she didn't take too kindly to that uh, <laughs> inquisition and had started insulting me in Italian. So do either of you speak Italian? <laughs> no. No. I, I thought I thought I could maybe play you the tape and maybe you'll translate it for <laughs> Oh, that's a wonderful memory. Uh, I great, love it. That is a great story. Philip, it's been wonderful to catch up with you and have a chat about uh, your does – you, does anything in your kitchen get used? <laughs> uh You'd be if you open my fridge, you'd find some orange juice in there, some eggs, and lots and lots of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm I'm, I'm thinking that maybe the kettle gets a bit of a run, and that's probably about it. Yeah, but maybe sometime you'll let me take you out to Boy Pizza and chat you a meal, okay? It's a date, absolutely. Thank you, Philip. We we love catching up with you. Uh, good health and All happiness right, to you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for your call. Bye, folks. Goodbye Bye. now. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. The golden days of Australian television and the golden days of Australian radio. He's been through them and he's still to this day on the air Sunday nights around the traps how, on 3AW. How are Good those stories? Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Sophia Loren. Sophia Loren, I'm sorry. <laughs> and look, ringing Bob Hope on his on Christmas Day every year. <laughs> I love that. Jeez. And I, I love into Brian Mannix and think of, you know, oh, hero worship. And I love the cheekiness Philip displayed. <laughs> In his approach to getting interviews. Were those, of all the questions in the world, you would have asked Sophie Loren. What a faux pas. (laughs) Are those pearls real? I mean, you, but I admit she's one of those women who you just go, but hey, didn't it make for interesting content? Yeah, Yeah, great stuff. All right, let's go to the brandy snaps because that's our food poll topic.
Hello, real. Can we, before we just launch into the responses, I just want to recall my 21st birthday, which was back in 1989. A yeah. wonderful memory of a very good friend of mine who was sitting at the kitchen table of my mm-hmm. parents' home as my Auntie Shirley was making brandy snaps and filling the brandy cases with brandy cream. Oh, yeah. And as quickly as Auntie Shell could fill the cases, my friend Joey, Joey <laughs> was was eating them as quickly as she could fill them. So basically, at the end of the night, there was nobody got to have any brandy snaps. Oh, okay. But it was one of my my favourite all time memories. And then we went to the Melbourne Cup uh, a couple of days after, yep. and we took the leftover brandy. Snaps. Oh wow! There weren't many. But we had that with a jar of cream at the Melbourne Cup. In, the picnic, in the picnic basket. Yeah. All right. What do we got uh, coming up on this one? Well, Bart will start us off. He said it is a yay for me. Muriel Cooper. Oh, yay. Joylene, yes, please. I love them. Julie Edwards says, oh, yay. My favourite. <laughs> There's a theme going here. Yep. Glenn Driscoll sent a gif of Winnie the Pooh, who's all excited, happy, and he's eating, and he looks all, it's all yummy. Winnie's all up for that. Now, Mark Quinn says, I'm brewing a beer called Band- Brandy Snaps. Oh. Should be ready to drink in two to three weeks. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a great Christmas beer and Kev might even like it. Oh, a beer flavoured like a brandy snap. That would be interesting. Wow. Very Carly interesting. says a big yay, I love a brandy snap basket at Christmas. Isn't it a Christmassy thing particularly? Yeah, very, yeah, okay. very festive. Sandra says yay. Eddie says yay. Diana says no. Yay. Linnell says, almost definitely yay. My Auntie Dawn made the best brandy snaps ever and she still does. And uh, Bree says, yes, she does. Uh, in reply to Linnell, brandy snaps always remind me of Auntie Dawn. Good on you, Auntie Dawn. You're a legend. Brendan says, Auntie Ethel <laughs> made some wicked brandy snaps as well. They all specialised in pavs, brandy snaps, sponge cake, cheesecake, oh. so much sugar, no wonder oh. I am addicted to chocolate. That's what this is uh, triggered uh. on the uh, on the on uh, all the social media platforms. Memories of people talking about yeah. uh, your mum or your auntie or your sister yeah. or whatever all cooking it. Uh, Karen said, my fave thing to eat Ever. Andrea says, yes, I made some just recently. They're so good. And Marilyn says, the homemade ones are the best. Apparently Marilyn's a bit of a brandy snap gun. Yes. Jeanette says, Marilyn, Nicholas, in reply, Mm-mm, my mum makes the best ones. There you go. And uh, Lorraine says, yes, she does. <laughs> Haven't had any in many years. Must attempt to make some myself at some point. Mel says, yay, it's an oldie but a goodie. Kathy says, how 70s, but yay. <laughs> oh, how do you say the name? Susie. <laughs> Thank you. You should see the spelling. Well, it's written like Susie and the Banshees. That's oh, there you go. And she says, get in my belly. Get in my belly. Robin <laughs> says, our local baker used to make them also. I used to buy the cases ah. at Coles. I'm checking them out. Oh, oh here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Who's making the brandy cream to put in them? Old Crokey says he'll pass. Uh, Jane Barnes says, nay. Thank you. Got beautiful manners. manners. Lovely manners, Jane. Julie says it's a big yay, especially with the cream inside them. The wankster of love <laughs> says yay, definitely I'll have any that the yeah. nays don't want. Oh, look at Murph Hughes. He says it's a big tick from me, yay all the way. Annie Peacock says nope. Oh, Rebecca says I've never had them but I'm sure I would love them. And Wayne has the final word as per usual and Wayne writes, anything with booze in it is ace. <laughs>
short and sweet. That's all we yeah, need. Yeah, that's all you need. That uh, that uh, ticks the boxes. I remember mm-hmm. when we used to make them back in the day. It's been a long did, time. Did you use? No, no. This sounds like a stupid question, and it probably right, is. Right. But uh, did you use full strength brandy, like uh, proper brandy? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. But it was mo- the shells were the the delicate part. So making those, and then you uh, you had to wrap them around the end of a wooden spoon while they were still pliable, and then they would harden, and you'd get a cylinder. So I, I can't get my head. You've explained that to me three times in the last well, couple of days. Of wrapping a, think of wrapping a pancake around the end of a wooden spoon yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, pancake no, going hard. I get it. But that photo that you posted on Facebook, <laughs> oh, you just go, divine. hello, I want some of those. It looks like delicate lace work, doesn't it, made out of uh, golden syrup? <laughs> oh, 97% yeah. to three. That's one of the uh, – the more dominant ones we've ever to had. Three. And the uh, the gusto at which people were here <laughs> yeah. uh, across all the uh, all the social media platforms, and we thank you for your contribution. That's yep. just a, that's the smattering of what we got mm. across uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, and Instagram. So thanks for uh, being part of the food poll every Friday on our social media. We've platforms. had a wonderful trip down memory lane with retro foods today, like brandy snaps, and also Philip Brady talked about um, the classic peach melba. <laughs> All that uh, has been a wonderful experience for all of us. Thanks to Philip for his – oh, no. uh, You know what you've done? Okay. You've just put tripe back in my head. Yeah. I've I've pulled the brakes on uh, and it's come to a jarring halt, uh, hasn't it? Tripe is the worst food ever invented. Well, not if you – Not in my Not if you you overcook it, you're done, but – no, dude, no, don't. Oh. You can crumb it and fry I'm it. A, oh, oh. Uh, I'll make it and I'll tell you it's I calamari. Still, I can still see the kitchen in Laverton where I used to uh. sit and then Daddy go, you're not getting up until you eat that. No, I can't stand it. Uh, thanks for uh, being on Food Bites. <laughs> <laughs> Hope your stomach isn't churning like mine is now. Brandy snaps, brandy snaps, brandy snaps. Mate, if I say it three times, it'll appear. Uh, till next time, uh, bye for now. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.